This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Yesterday, uh, we talked about preventing terrorism and extremism online, cracking down on it. We received a number of emails yesterday following our segment on Canada's new initiatives to combat online terrorism and violent extremism with a push to continue the discussion. So that's what we're going to do for the next little bit. Security Minister Ralph Goodale announced what he calls a coordinated action to prevent social media and other online platforms from being used used as tools to incite, publish, and promote terrorism, violence, and hatred. How to do this? Firstly, a digital repository will be created of new terrorist content with efforts to support companies to quickly remove it. Young leaders will also be empowered to help shape the internet landscape by collaborating on a youth summit on countering violent extremism online. And these initiatives will complement steps the government is already taking as part of a national strategy on countering radicalization to violence, which was announced this past December. Canada has also joined other world leaders in adopting the Christchurch Call to Action, a global pledge to eliminate terrorist and violent extremism extremist content online after the massacres in the Christchurch mosques were uh, streamed live on a go cam on on the head of the accused the head of the accused killer in in those horrible crimes. Logan McNair is a researcher at Cybercrime Research Center at Simon Fraser University and was listening along to the show yesterday and asked if he could offer his perspective on what the government is doing. Logan, thank you for being with us here today. Yeah, my pleasure. What um, what do you think about the initiatives announced? So, yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about some of the things that were said and some of the decisions that were made yesterday, um, particularly with regard to the designation of, for the first time in Canada, right-wing extremist groups, you know, onto the organizational terrorist watch list. This is a watch list that has over 50 organizations on it, and this is the first time that they've included right-wing groups onto this list. And that is really not proportional to the threat that these organizations and that these movements pose in Canada and in the West more generally. And within the last seven or eight years or so, we see that it's right-wing extremist violence that is really the um, preeminent version of, of extremism in the, in the country and in the West. So I think that's good, and that sets a precedent to sort of tackle these, these issues more directly from a government perspective. And it also opens the door for the tech companies and the social media companies to, um, to tackle them as well, because for a long time they've been hiding behind this defense of we don't necessarily want to acknowledge or address this content uh, until the government sort of does it first. And now that governments are starting to do that, um, I think we can sort of uh, put some more pressure on the companies to monitor the type of content that they have on their platforms. Uh, it's unfortunate that it took such a horrific event like Christchurch to really get the ball rolling on this because these are trends that we've been noticing for a while, but, uh, but it's better late than never, I suppose. Could something, or is it now with these initiatives being implemented, the Christchurch attacks, as we know, were live streamed. Could 
this still happen again or is it less likely? How do you prevent a live event of murders uh, being, uh, how do you prevent that from being streamed online? It's really, it's really hard. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on companies like Facebook when this happened because it's not that just that it was allowed to happen, it's that it was allowed to happen for such a long time before anything was really done about it. Um, I think moving forward, they're probably going to be much tighter on this type of thing. And with regard to the initiatives taken by the Canadian government yesterday and you know, the announcement to sort of monetarily support uh, these organizations that are going to be sort of documenting and looking at this type of content online, I do think this is a step in the right direction. I still think there's a lot of problems with identifying this type of content um, because when we say terroristic content or, or extremist content, uh, that's not necessarily very clear-cut. It's not always easy to define that. So when you're applying things like uh, machine learning or algorithms to identify and take down this content, uh, there's still a lot of issues that we have to address with that. Do you think the Trudeau Liberals have made the criteria too broad? We got into discussing yesterday about hate speech, that maybe this should not be part of this because it's too difficult to target and limit freedom of speech with regard to terrorism and extremism. I do think that's an issue, and I do think that was a purposeful decision to make it uh, sort of more vague in its definition as opposed to more strictly defined because um, when it's more vague, you have more sort of wiggle room to sort of uh, interpret these things a little bit more. Um, that does potentially open the door to sort of, uh, well, what is hateful content? Is, is it stuff that I don't like or is it stuff that I don't agree with politically? And I think that's an issue that a lot of people seem to have is that they see these new measures as really a form of um, potential censorship or potential um, sort of removal of certain political ideas. Um, I try not to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more important to, to recognize that uh, the way that terrorism happens sort of goes in waves. If we were having this conversation in the 60s, we'd be talking about you know, left-wing extremism in the, fir- in the version of the FLQ. Right. If we were having this conversation 15 years ago, we'd be talking about jihadist extremism. It just so happens that today, most extremist acts are being committed in the West, are being committed by right-wing groups and right-wing individuals. Um, so I don't think that people with, you know, certain values or certain political leanings should see this as, you know, a direct attack against them or their values or censorship of them or their values, um, but as a way to sort of address this content before it becomes um, offline violence. Uh, Logan, how do you define right-wing terrorism? Yeah, that's another tricky one, because when we say right-wing extremism, this is a really large umbrella term that incorporates a lot of different ideological movements, some of which um, can compete with each other and some of which believe in very different things. Um, but when we're looking at it from a strictly you know, extremist or terroristic perspective, we're looking at content that is uh, you know, outwardly discussing things like uh, hate, genocide, ethnic cleansing, Holocaust denial, anything that could be considered as threatening to uh, certain demographics or certain minority groups. 
I want to go to the phones here. Uh, you want to comment as well on what the Canadian government is doing to fight online extremism and terrorism. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. George in St. Catharines, you're live on Zoomer Radio. Go ahead. Good day. Uh, for some reason, uh, the Liberals are always talking about uh, things that happen, example, in New Zealand. Uh, things are happening all over the world, even for the Christians. Uh, they're always focused on New Zealand and Islam. I was watching BBC News. It says that political correctness is killing over 300 Christians per day just in the Middle East and Pakistan, and no one's doing nothing about it. Uh, we'll get our guest to comment on uh, yes. G- George's uh, comments there. Go ahead, Logan. Uh, well, I mean, I agree in the sense that uh, extremism and terrorism is still very much a problem in a lot of parts of the world. And um, when you're looking at those groups, jihadist organizations are still very active um, and they're still very prevalent. Uh, they tend to be, for whatever reason, um, less covered by the media in the West, but um, there's there's reasons for that. But when we're looking at what is the direct threat to us here in Canada or yes. us here in the West, it's um, you know we we have to sort of we have to go where the trends go, and the trends suggest that it's not these groups; it happens to be these other groups. And that's what I wanted to ask you uh, before. I also interested in knowing about your specific research, but the online threats from terrorists and extremists to our global well-being. Uh, how would you how would you answer that question? Well, I think I think there's been a, a recent awakening in the last, especially especially after the Christchurch thing. Um, there's been a sort of waking up to what's going on and to the prevalence of these types of things and to how bad it can really get if we don't address them or acknowledge them. So um, I do think that's an important first step, and I think it's good that uh, governments are getting on board. I don't think that we should um, let the, the social media companies and the big tech companies off the hook. I think pressure needs to be put on them as well for... Uh, uh, prevent uh, potentially providing a platform for these types of things and letting them get to a point where it's gotten to. Um, but I do think that people are waking up and are moving in the right direction. So that's good. Logan McNair, I was uh, reading your bio online. Uh, you are a PhD student doing research at Simon Fraser University. What are you working on? Uh, so right now we're working on documenting the uh, media campaigns, the online media campaigns of extremist groups. So we're looking at propaganda that's been produced by uh, Islamic groups like ISIS, um, but also far-right groups, uh, groups from the alt-right and so on, looking at how they create this propaganda, how they create this media, how they disseminate it, uh, who is listening to it, and sort of what is the potential role that it plays in the larger radicalization process. And will this information ultimately go to the government that you're working on? Uh, possibly. Okay. Um, that's that's the hope. It's, it would be nice if it could be uh, applied in a practical way. Sure. Uh, it's always nice when you do work and, and it actually means something. So uh, that would be uh, that would be nice. Well, I really appreciate your time and your perspective today. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Logan McNair, researcher at Cybercrime Research Center at Simon Fraser University. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.